Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Maybe you have a relationship in your world, in your life. Maybe it's struggling and you don't like that. And I'm, I agree. That's hard. I don't like when they're struggling and you don't either. So we're going to talk about that today. Dr. Glenn Pickering is here with me in studio. Glenn's going to talk about the four mistakes we all make when our relationships are struggling. Dr. Glenn Pickering uh, can be found at his website, drglennpickering.com. Did I have that right, Glenn? You got it. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's always good to be here. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the mistakes that, that we all seem to make when our relationships are struggling. You I know, know you've got good news for us at, at some point today. <laughs> I do. We're just not going to talk about mistakes. <laughs> it's a learning opportunity. I hope so. I have a friend who always says that when things are really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thanks like a it. lot. Because it's true, though. But there, there is truth to yeah. it, for sure. Yeah. Um, but we have to kind of pick our spots when we bring that up, which I'll talk about more in a few moments. Um, okay, I, I told you a long time ago, I was sort of kind of silly in my head writing a book for a while that I wanted to call Why Your Friends Are Always Wrong. Not to be mean to your friends, but just because the advice we tend to get when our relationships are struggling um, are often not helpful, even though the friends and relatives and family members who give us that advice are well-meaning, want to be supportive, they often have certain sort of knee-jerk, very worldly reactions that are just not helpful to us, even though they're trying to be helpful and supportive. And sometimes, Glenn, they're not trying to be helpful and supportive. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're trying to be a, a, maybe a bully yes. or a, shame, a shaming person. That or a, so I true. can't believe you messed that up again. Not You're never going to meet someone. Yep, that's very, very mm-hmm. true. Sometimes we get the flip side of that, which yeah, is also I got that idea from you. Not helpful. Yeah. Well, no, it happens for sure. So... I always think the first two mistakes we're likely to make, or our friends are likely to make when they're kind of trying to coach us through it, um, is they say this, they do this thing where they're trying to kind of bond with us, and they basically want to blame the other person. So if I break up with somebody and I call my friend, they're going to say, well, let me tell you all the things that are wrong about that person that broke up with you. So they're going to tell me that I'm so right to be mad, or so right to be upset, or they're going to point out the flaws of the other person, sometimes person who's in that position even hears, well, I never liked them anyway. <laughs> it's like, now you tell me. <laughs> yeah, that truth-telling moment. Oh, yeah. They, so, they finally feel they have permission right, to say Exactly, mm-hmm. right. And so um, there's a tendency, so the first two mistakes are sort of a parrot, to either blame them or shame myself. So I'm going to talk about each of those two just for a couple minutes to start with. So some of our friends are likely to think, hey, jumping on the bandwagon, talking about what's wrong with that other person is helpful to you or supportive. But it's just important to understand, A, it's not supportive and it's not biblical. So I want to talk about both of those just for a second. Um, When a problem comes up, it's easy to focus on the question about the problem and whose fault is the problem. But see, if I'm going through a hard time, somebody just broke up with me, or I'm going through a struggle in my relationship, there's a problem there that's just really, really been hard for me to deal with. See, I don't need somebody to figure out whose fault it is. I need people to ask me questions like, how are you doing? What do you need? How can I help? 
So I need questions from the people in my life who care for me that are based on the solution. Like, how can I be with you in this process as opposed to let me and you talk about who the bad one is, which um, I get for some people feels like a form of bonding, but it's a very non-intimate way of bonding because intimate means we have a conversation where I get to know something about you or you get to know something about me. But if we just get together and talk about how bad somebody else is and it feels like bonding, but we're not because we don't walk away learning anything about Mm -hmm. each other. So that's why the Bible is always so intense about not gossiping because that's what that is. That's me and you talk about how bad somebody else is. Mm -hmm. Glenn, if what if someone comes to you and and says, I'm just, I'm at a loss, give me some feedback. Uh, Then they are asking for you to help solve some of their problems or anxieties. And, which we're getting a little bit ahead of the game, but I don't mind. No, that's all right. No, it's good. Um, See, that's actually a helpful question. Now, I want to do the compassion part first before I say, well, what went wrong exactly? So, I mean, I want to say, you know, I'm sad. That's a bummer. How can I help? What What do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, but then if they say, well, Glenn, do you have any feedback for me? My feedback, my question is going to be, my feedback is going to be in the form of a question. What can you see that you could have done differently? Because so, it's just so easy to point the finger. That's why even though our friends do that very often, and they're, really, they're trying to be supportive, they're trying to be on our side, but it's really not helpful. Because mm-hmm. there's a reason why Jesus said, you know, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. Like, if there's a problem, we're all supposed to start with, what was my half of that? Yeah, but if I'm in pain, do I really want to do on-the-spot analysis? No, that's what I'm thinking. Why so I'm hurting? I, I don't do that. when. So I always think, hmm, how can I say it? Well, I'll start here. Compassion, the word literally means co-passion, and co just means together, of course. And passion means it like the passion of Christ. Like, so if, if I have compassion for somebody who's suffering, then I suffer with them. So if they're sad or hurt or upset, it's my job to be with them and be hurt and sad and upset for them or with them or on their behalf, basically. So and until I can do that, I don't get to have the other conversation mm-hmm. about, well, how could you have done that differently? Because... Mm-hmm. I just think until, until that person can tell that that question comes from a place of, I care about you, you matter to me, I want good for you, then that question would just sound hurtful and judgmental. Mm-hmm. So we can't start that. We can, we can get there eventually. Like, yeah, let's talk about maybe how you could have done that differently. But we can't start there because it will just sound mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. Are you in a relationship right now that you're struggling with? Well, I'm glad you're here because Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about the four mistakes we all seem to make when our relationships are struggling. Yes. So thank you for this, Glenn. Yeah, it's so good. So um, so the first one is, and our friends are likely to kind of encourage us to think about what's wrong with the other person. But if we're not careful, some of the feedback we get is about, so, you know, about blaming others. Some of the feedback we get is the flip side, where we get shamed ourselves. We hear messages like you were saying at the beginning, about, oh, you always mess it up. You're never going to get it right. You're never going to find anybody. And sometimes we have people in our life who actually say that, who have that kind of critical spirit. And sometimes that's just a voice that runs in the back of our head. Ooh, that's deadly, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. That, it's that so voice, destructive. that doesn't go away overnight. I know. It's so hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, non-biblical, which we'll talk about in just a second. So... That's also not helpful. So just like it's not helpful to blame them, because then whatever I need to learn from that, I'm never going to learn. It's also not helpful to be just shameful for myself for the same reason. See, if I actually want to learn, how could I have done that differently? I can't start off with, I'm just a bad person. That doesn't make sense. If I'm a bad person, there's nothing I can do. So 
then it's hopeless. So, and, and it's not biblical because, you know, the scriptures are so clear that we're loved with an everlasting love, that God's love for us is a steadfast love and never changes. We are precious in God's sight. And so you can see this question play out right from the beginning in Genesis in the garden. Adam and Eve living this beautiful life, this perfect relationship in God's love. And then the serpent comes along and tells them that really you think you're so perfect to God and precious in God's sight, but really there's something wrong with you. You don't even know the difference between good and evil, and you should probably try and hide that fact. So they believe it, they eat the apple, they're trying to hide themselves. And see, all of us need to understand God's message to us is, you are so precious to me. The evil one's message to us is, no, there's something wrong with you. And so the problem with getting hooked into that shameful cycle where I think there's something wrong with me, where I think it's all my fault, is I'm literally seeing myself now at that moment, not as God sees me, but as the evil one would want me to see myself. And that is so, that's why I say it's so destructive. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many times people have said to themselves, what's wrong with me right. in the last yes. year? Right. I mean, boy, that's, a, that's something to try to pay attention to. Right. You it don't really, want to be saying that. No, that question by itself is so destructive because it assumes that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And I think we make mistakes and we definitely have things we're supposed to learn. But I think I've said that in the last six months, probably. (laughs) What was I thinking? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's so easy to pull into that trap, but it's so important to remember, nope. It's not that there's something wrong with me. It's that I have lessons to learn, just like a child. The fact that a child has things they need to learn doesn't make them bad kids. Yeah. This means there's something wrong with them. How do you how do you put the brakes on that thought that comes screaming into your brain? Something what's wrong with me? How, right. If you got something to learn, which is true, right. that's yeah. great. Right. How do you stop put the brakes on the thought coming into your brain that there's something wrong with you? You know, for me, the only thing that actually helps me is prayer. I have this very short little prayer where I say, sort of on four deep breaths in and then four deep breaths out. Um, God says to me, Glenn, I love you, Glenn. And on my out breath, I say, and I love you, God. And it's, and I just try and sit with that, just quietly okay. saying those words to myself in and out as I just try and put myself literally in God's presence. Mm-hmm. So that I come back to what's real, which is, yes, I made a mistake, and God still cares for me exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking today about uh, four mistakes we all seem to make when our relationships are struggling. And if that's you... You've uh, tuned into the right show today. We're going to take a little break and come back. You can learn more about Glenn at drglennpickering.com. Glenn is with two N's. Dr. Glenn Pickering, P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. Glenn's nice enough to offer uh, Faith Radio listeners an opportunity to speak to him on the phone for 20 minutes. It's a free, no-strings-attached consultation. All you have to do is go on his website, fill out the form, and you'll, you'll arrange to get a conversation with him. Trust me, you can get a lot from him in 20 minutes. I know for a fact that you uh, get into his brain and he will give you a lot to think about in 20 minutes. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're talking today about the four mistakes we all make when our relationships are struggling. But let me just kind of get into your car here or your house with a, a big whiteboard. And we're going to write <laughs> on the whiteboard. It's a dry erase, so I'm not going to have chalk in your car. Don't worry. We're going to talk about 
four mistakes. And we're going to talk about them in pairs. Now, Glenn, in the first uh, part of the show, talked about the first two mistakes. We're going to talk about those quickly in review. So here they're going on the whiteboard. Right. What are the two, the first two mistakes, Glenn? Thank you very much. We tend, and our friends, if they're trying to support us, also make the, this mistake. Of we tend to sort of blame the other person. And so if we're not careful, we get all caught up in all the things they did wrong to us. And if our friends aren't helpful, they can kind of get pulled into that same thinking, like pointing out all the flaws of the other person or saying we should have never been with them. Like, so we all sort of agree the other person is bad. That's why this struggle is happening. That's why you broke up. That's why you're having a hard time because they're bad. And that doesn't make any sense. But if we're not careful, we can go to the flip side of that and just be really shaming of ourselves. And some of us have people in our life who have said these things to us, like, you'll never get it right. It's all your fault. You'll never find the right person. You always mess it up. And whether we have that person live in our life or in the back of our head, it's destructive. Mm. And both of those mistakes are destructive, whether we're blaming them or shaming ourselves because for two reasons. A, it's just not true. It takes two to tangle. So it can't possibly be all your fault and it can't possibly be all my fault because there are two of us who are having this conflict. So mm-hmm. just logically, it can't be true. But it's also not biblically correct to say, hey, it's all somebody else's fault goes directly against what Jesus said. You know, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. We have to start with ourselves. What's my half of that? And the shame thing also goes directly against God's direct statements about who we are, how precious we are in his sight. So to think, well, I'm just messed up. There's something wrong with me is also not true. So Mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah, Glenn, what if this person has drifted from their good character? Let's say that... They spent the entire <laughs> um, vacation money at the casino, and you can't believe it. And right. you go, what? I've never heard of you doing anything like this before. Right. And the friends come along and say, it is his fault. He's terrible. She's bad. That's just proof. But isn't it. that kind of true? Um, well, here's the thing. That's not going to create a struggle. Let's say you and I are married, and you go spend all the money at the casino. That's a problem by itself. I get that. But that's not going to kill the relationship. My deciding you're a terrible person, though, just might. Okay. If I think that was a terrible mistake, what we, we can't be doing that. How are we, what are we going to do? Okay. That's Those different. are great questions. You're terrible and I can't, that, that's a judgment. But if you're a terrible person, that's a whole different discussion. That's a whole different discussion okay. and it's super not helpful. Or if I think, oh, it's all my fault. If I hadn't driven you so crazy, you would have never gone there. Well, then I'll say again, I'm just making a flip side of that where somehow it's all my fault. I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, somehow we got ourselves into this mess and we have to figure out how we're going to get ourselves out of this mess. That will always be true one way or another. Okay. So the, the first two mistakes on the whiteboard is blaming them <laughs> yep, and then uh, shaming. Right. Because both of them don't push us to ask the question, life's most helpful question, what do I need to do differently? Okay. So mm-hmm. the second pair of mistakes we're very likely to make is to do what I call moving too fast to the outcome, where we either like leave the relationship immediately or think, no, no, I have to stay forever. Those are both not helpful for the same thing. They don't make sense, and they're not biblical. Here's what I mean. The same people might sort of join us in thinking, they're a terrible person, will also then move too fast to the outcome. So you should just get rid of them, kick them to the curb. I got a great friend for you to meet. They'd be way better for you. Divorce isn't that big a deal. Um, Basically just saying, you have a problem and the solution is just to get out. Well, see, here's the problem with that. 
if I have a relationship and there's a problem in it, so I just always deal with it then by just leaving the relationship. Whatever it is I'm supposed to learn, I don't learn. So if I tell you, boy, I'm married to the wrong person. If I was just were the right woman, I could finally be happy. I'd get rid of Gwen, who's devoted 40 years of her life to me, and end up marrying her sister. Here's how come. Because if I don't learn anything, I'm still shaped the same way. So mm-hmm. who do I match up with next time? Somebody shaped the opposite way, just like last time. Mm-hmm. And I find myself in exactly the same relationship. I've destroyed my family. I've destroyed my life. And meanwhile, meanwhile I have exactly the same sort of problem to deal with. Mm-hmm. I have a different face and name in my life, but the relationship struggles are exactly the same. Yeah, and if, so, you, have, if you have 10 irre- irreconcilable differences in relationship A, and you go to relationship B, you're still going to have yes. those previous 10, right. along with the next 10, you're going to get in right. relationship B, right? Right. Besides which, your new one will be mad about the X, so you have at least 11. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a guarantee. But don't we want to instantly try to help people get out of their pain and their discomfort? And See, that's we wanna, exactly We want to race them to a different right. place as fast as we can. Right. That's, why, that's why I was saying to you before the show that our mistakes don't come from a wrong place. Our mistakes mostly come from really wanting to be helpful, wanting to be supportive, wanting to spare that person from pain. But we need to understand those knee-jerk responses are not actually helpful. I, uh, a friend of mine once said to me, why does God allow there to be suffering? And I said to him, when's the time in your life when you grew the most as a person and as a Christian? He thought about it for a long time. He named that time, which was the time of struggle and suffering. <laughs> yeah. And I think, right, it's by going through the struggle that we learn whatever lessons we're supposed to learn. Yeah. But just get out, whatever I was supposed to learn, whatever changes I was supposed to make, whatever transformation God was trying to do in my life, just gets deleted. Yeah. And I mean, Go ahead. The time you're kicking the hardest, crying the loudest. Uh-huh feeling the most desperate, usually right. that's when God's doing the most significant transformational work in your life. Honestly, I, yeah. I, I think it's so true. So when we say to people, well, it's just like that old story about, you know, somebody sees this little butterfly trying to get out of this little cocoon, and so it breaks the cocoon open for the butterfly to help it out, quote-unquote, except doing that on the cocoon is what helps strengthen the butterfly's wings. So now they get out, they're not strong enough, they can't fly and they die. It's like, oh, I was helping you. Yeah, see, that's not helpful. So I can be, I always think to myself, God doesn't say, Glenn, if you walk with me, there will be no pain. What God says is, Glenn, I will walk through, with you through the pain and through the joy and through the, the, the victories and the losses. I will walk with you through those. So we're actually supportive of our friends. We don't tell them to get out. We say, I will walk through this process with you, whatever that looks like. That's actually helpful, mm-hmm. and that's actually biblical. Saying just get out is not biblical or helpful, because then I would just do that everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. And God is so clear in wanting us all to be learning, transforming. We're supposed to be in the process of sanctification our whole life. Well, if I just leave a, a situation in a time it's difficult, that whole sanctification process just gets kicked to the curb. So, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever I'm supposed to be learning, I don't learn. Glenn, is it hard to suspend your history with somebody? If you've come to me over the last five years and you've been complaining about your wife and, and things aren't going well, and I am so tired of hearing about it, right. and now it looks like you guys might you know, split, and I would say, well, well, that seems like the right thing to do. Right, just because Again, you're tired of hearing about it. Right, so sometimes people say get out because they want me to not have to be in pain, and sometimes they say get out because they don't want to be in pain. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's, both options are bad. Well, both options. God doesn't want divorce. Right. 
Well, because God wants us to keep learning and growing. Yeah, I just think if a little toddler sits on the couch and doesn't ever try and stand up or walk because they're afraid they might fall down, it's like, well, see, but then all the lessons you're supposed to learn by standing up, falling down, trying to get some more, falling down, figuring it out, all that stuff you're supposed to be learning, you're not going to yeah. be able to learn. Yeah. Like, we have to be willing to make mistakes on the way to becoming the person that we're supposed to become. And yeah. whether we're a toddler or 80, it's all the same. It's yeah. still true. And if you are 80, I mean, you know this from caring for your mother, uh, and, and I do as well, that you're always told to not do things for them they can do for themselves. Right, right. Again, and of think course, it, that's counterintuitive. Right, thinking that we're helping them when actually we're just t- teaching them, basically, that we don't trust them or we don't believe in them or we don't think they can do it. Yeah. Which is a very undermining message. Yeah, and sometimes doing those little things are, are helping their their strength and their right. energy and, and their confidence. Right, exactly. Yeah. So the flip side of that same mistake, so the fourth one or the second of this pair, is about staying forever. Because some people hear, oh, you're never going to get it right. You're always so dumb. You're always, you know, you can never get a relationship right. So sometimes people stay in a relationship just because they don't want to, you know, fail again. And it's like when I hear people say that, it just hurts my heart because it's like you don't understand. Staying, staying in a relationship that you know is bad for you is failing. <laughs> That's what failing looks like. If that toddler says, well, Glenn, I don't want to get hurt, so I'm not going to even try to walk because I don't want to fail. Well, you're failing for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll never even learn how to walk. I mean, yeah. this, this, is, this is not helpful to you. It's, this is seriously not helpful to you. So, um, so the, two th- the three things that these both have in common, whether I leave immediately or stay forever, the three things they have in common is I don't do the work that I have to do that I'm supposed to learn. I don't be transformed. I don't do any discernment. I don't have to listen to God. I don't have to be a prayer. I don't have to listen. I don't have to seek the counsel of smart people. And they're the same outcome, which is that I don't change. So I just go on and keep having relationships that look exactly the same as the one I've been in so far. Mm-hmm. So, and Glenn, when you talk about being in the rut, w- w- this can this can be a job. This can be oh, a for sure, it can be a job. Could be a, with a parent and a child. Could be of two friends. Could yeah. be neighbors. Could Cause, be cause whenever, whenever we talk about significant other relationships, I, right. I don't ever want to feel like we're we're being uh, flippant about uh, staying together or not staying together because right, God absolutely. obviously wants us right. to not be divorced. Right, but yeah. see. Say, so, hey, for sure that's true. But see, God doesn't want me to blow my friends off either for the, pretty much the same reason, because right. relationships are sacred. And so if I just blow them off because me and you had a little bit of a trouble, so the heck with you, I'm done with you. That's not loving. That's not kind. That's not loving my neighbor as myself. Mm-hmm. That's not, I mean, so literally, no matter what relationship I'm talking about, it's the wrong way to treat it. Yeah, we're going to come back with Dr. Glenn Pickering after a short break. We're going to get some uh, time with Glenn, we're talking about the four mistakes we all make when our relationships are struggling. If you have a question or comment about what you've heard so far, let me know what it is. I'll ask Glenn on your behalf, 877-933-2484. Be right back in just a minute. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Our topic today is relationships that are struggling and 
there's a good chance you uh, know someone. Maybe it's even you <laughs> are in a relationship that's struggling, and we have a tendency of making four mistakes. So if we had a whiteboard in your car or a whiteboard in your kitchen right now, what I would be writing on them is the first two mistakes would be blaming them and shaming you. And the second two mistakes would be moving on immediately or staying forever. Those are uh, the points that Dr. Glenn Pickering has made so far. And we've got uh, time to take a question or two. If you heard something you'd like some uh, more information on or you have a question for Glenn, 877-933-2484. One question that came in, Glenn said... uh, what about when your wife's counselor's telling bad things about you to reinforce how she's already feeling? Um, I don't know the context, of course, so I want to be a little careful. But I do think as a counselor that me jumping on that same, same, bandwagon, same bandwagon is generally not helpful. Now, if sometimes my client's in denial and I'll say stuff like, no, it's not that your husband or your wife drinks a little. If they have seven glasses of wine every single day starting at 5 o'clock, that's alcoholism. And we need to name it. Not because I want to be judgmental or throw somebody under the bus. I just want my client to take the situation more seriously than they're taking it mm-hmm. because they might be in denial. But in general, except in those cases where I need to kind of break through some of the denial I see maybe my client is struggling with, yeah, jumping on the bandwagon about somebody else and... I mean, it's, it's not helpful. It's not helpful when my friends do it. It's not helpful when my counselor does it. Because mm-hmm. really the question should always be, what's my half of that? What do I need to do to change things from my end? Always. And that's, that's an important part of the equation that I think we all can learn from today if you've not heard that. Glenn often says every relationship is 50-50. Right. And there's, that ruffles feathers. Right. Because there's some people go, no, it's 100% his uh-huh. fault or it's 100% her fault. Come on. Yes, you See can it ima- my way. Yes, you can imagine the reaction Jesus got when he said that thing about why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa. I didn't come to you to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with ourselves first, right? Right, yeah. Now, the cool thing is, although people quit quoting that story right there usually, that's not where the story actually ends. He says that, and once you've taken the log out of your own eye, you have the right to talk to your brother or sister about the speck in their eye. So it's not like I'm supposed to just blame them, but it's also that I'm just supposed to shame myself and act like I'm the problem. I'm supposed to start with myself, which then creates a situation, hopefully, where it's safe enough for them to do the same. So that's what we need to understand. Mm-hmm. I have to always come to any situation. Even if I made a mistake with my kid, I'm going to come and say, I feel really bad. I'm not going to come to them and say, you're a bad kid. You did it wrong. I'm going to come and say, I feel bad about that conversation. I've apologized for my heart. From my part, I think I came across too strong. I don't think I listened good enough. And, Lovely. Yeah. Nicely done. Glad. Yes. And I'm very likely my kids like to say, well, dad, I probably, I probably wasn't listening either. But you know what I mean? It's like as soon as we're willing to really claim our part, mm-hmm. it creates a place where the other person can then also more safely claim their part because they can see they're not going to get blamed or shamed or judged. All right. Suddenly we've got a system that could actually work here. Who goes first? <laughs> well, I always think um, if I'm talking to my client, I'm going to talk about how you, you need to start it. Now, often they'll say, well, why do I have to be the one to change? Why do I have to start the process? Why is that my problem? And I think I totally understand that question. I honestly do. But I try not to answer that question as it is. And here's what I mean by that. 
I always think there's two reasons why, if I'm in a relationship and there's a struggle, why I have to start with myself, why Jesus was so right to say that. And two reasons. Here's the first one. If I don't, then what I'm really telling myself is, well, I'm not going to change until they do. Well, see, that means I'm not in charge of my own life. Power from a Christian perspective, not a worldly perspective, but from a Christian perspective, power means the ability to run my life as I would actually choose to run it. Say more about that, Glenn, because that sounds like we come to faith in Christ and we surrender our life to him. Well, here's the really cool thing. We can only do that because we have the power to do that. I can either power to choose that and, um, and I have to believe that God will give me the strength to do the things that he puts on my heart. So it's a total teamwork thing, but I just mean this. When Jesus says, ask and it shall be given unto you, he's just trying to say, don't act like you're a victim and don't act like you can't have what you want. Get a clear picture of what God has put on your heart, what God has given you passion for and gifts for and experience about. Claim that and ask God to help you find the best way to bring that into the world in a way that will make a big difference in the world. So mm-hmm. claim your gifts, see what they are, ask God to help you move into the vision that's about the, using those gifts. And God will always, of course, be on our team about bringing that about. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, so if you're enjoying freedom in Christ, you right. realize it's, it's my life. I'm not going to sit here and play a victim. I'm right. going right. to be empowered by what the Holy Spirit right. Right. is so, doing in my life. Right. Which means to the next place. Right. And God is always working transformation in my life. So if I'm really working on a godly thing, then taking charge of my life means I I listen to what God asked me to do, to move past my comfort zone, to step outside what's easy, and to really listen to his calling, and then to step out and say to my kid, I feel really bad about how that conversation went. Here's the part I think I did poorly. Because, see, if I really had the power to run my life the way I want... It sounds selfish, and from a worldly perspective, it is. But see, from a Christian perspective, it's not. Because what I want more than anything is to be in a right relationship with God and with the people in my life. Mm-hmm. So if I'm actually living my life the way I actually want to live my life, I'm living in a way that puts me in a right relationship with God and with the people in my life. So if I did something with my daughter or me and her had a crummy conversation, I'm going to come to her because what I want is to be in a right relationship with my God. And so I'm going to start by saying, I feel really bad. Here's what I think I did that messed this up. Because what I want is to be in a right relationship with the people in my life. Mm-hmm. You're coming in, you're, Glenn, you're coming in kindness, though, and humility. What if I, that backfires? Um, sometimes it does. But let me, <laughs> so let me get to that. But let me come to the second reason why, you know, when people say, well, why should I have to do it? It's like, well, see, because otherwise you're a victim, which is very disempowering. If mm-hmm. empowerment means God has put a vision in my heart, and I'm going to ask God to help me create that vision. That's what power looks like from a Christian perspective. And what, what, what would the vision be, Glenn, that I want to be in a right relationship with God and with you? Right, exactly. Okay. Everything that God puts on our heart is relational. And whether it's a job, a career, a ministry, I promise you, it is at its heart relational. Okay. Which is why when Jesus said the whole law is, you know, love your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Because, right, because everything that actually matters involves those two things. So if I'm living the life I actually want, a life that really matters, then I'm always living into that my vision, and my vision is always about relationships. So I tried to talk about this once to a group of, I don't know, probably 80 people at a church, and I could see they thought, yeah, blah, blah, blah. They didn't believe it. <laughs> so I, I, instead of trying to convince them, I just stopped and said, let's do this. Imagine you had the power to make sure that on your tombstone, after you pass away, they say a sentence on your tombstone about you. What do you want that sentence to be? 
And people are like, well, he was a really good dad. She was a really good mom. So they were very loving. They were serious about their faith. They were a big part of our church. They are a stellar part of our community. In other words, what we really understand is every vision we have for ourselves has to do with the way we do our relationship with God and with other people. Mm. Everything that actually matters is summarized in those two things. So what I actually want, which is why it's not selfish, although it sounds like it from a worldly perspective, because the world just encourages us to think about ourselves. But see, what my heart and my spirit and my soul and what my deepest part of me wants is to be a part of something really great. Yeah, I just don't want on my tombstone, he ignored the advice. <laughs> he never yeah, listened. That, that would be bad. <laughs> Glenn tried to tell him all those oh, things. Oh, he didn't listen. No. <laughs> so, first reason why, when people say, why should I be the one to start? It's like, well, it's about empowerment. God, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. And Ephesians says, basically, you know, God wants you to have a life that's so big, you can't hurt even imagine how big it actually is. Yeah. Well, if I'm sitting in the corner thinking, I can't do anything until you do, well, that's not a big life. Yeah, it's not very that's productive. That's not an abundant life. No, it's not. So, that's the first reason. The second one is because, see, if you start it, you get to pick the loving place to start. And here's what I mean. Again, if one person, parent, kid, colleague, friend, husband, wife, doesn't matter, comes to the other person to talk about a problem in a relationship, so often if they're not careful, they start with, well, you always do this, or we got problems, and you got to, and it always just feels like one big judgment, one big condemnation, and so, of course, it never goes anywhere. But see, if I really choose to start that process, I get to choose to start it in a way that works, which sounds something like this. Honey, again, parent, kid, boss, dater, doesn't matter. Um, we have X, Y, Z problem in our relationship, and I'm finding that really frustrating or disappointing or hurtful. I'm guessing that you do too. I would like for us to do that better. Do you want that? If they say, yeah, they say, great. Um, I think we each have to start by looking at that log in our own eye. The thing I can see that I need to do better is, and I'm going to talk about that as consistently and clearly as I can about the thing mm-hmm. I think I need to do better for us to address that problem. Mm-hmm. That's up to them to do the same thing. And now we actually have a conversation that's going to be helpful to us. In other words, we're each going to look at the, and answer the question, what does this teach me? What do I need to do differently? What's my half of that problem? Which I believe is the one question God always wants us to be asking. If something goes wrong, my first question should be, okay, what did I do that contributed to that? How could I have done that differently? Not in a shameful way. We have to be really careful about it because if we're not careful, we can go to that place. But just in the same way that you'd want a little kid who's learning how to walk, leans a little too far forward and thinks to himself, oh, I have to lean a little further back. Okay. Like no judgment, just an awareness. Here's the thing I could do differently in that relationship or that conversation or when that conflict comes up. Here's the thing I could do differently that would help us to have a different kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. Glenn, it sounds like we're talking a little bit about personal responsibility, oh, which yes. I like. But I'm talking about total personal responsibility because I just think that's why the whole victim blaming thing is just not helpful and it's not Christian. It just means... Um, my life is somebody else's fault. It's yeah. like, no, God gave us free will and freedom in Christ. We literally get to come before God, ask mm-hmm. for what we want, and God will work with us to create this abundant life. That's that's what we're supposed to be living. Victimization, though, is a lifestyle for all oh, people. Oh, my goodness sakes, I have so many people doing that. It's like, <sighs> it's an excuse. I get that. Us both looking at what we need to do differently, working like crazy in the relationship to transform it is harder. It's more work. But in all the call narratives in this Old Testament, all the places where God or an angel comes down to earth to call somebody to do something, they never say to them, 
I came all the way down here to tell you, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. They never say, I came down here to tell you, just keep taking the easy way. (laughs) Yeah. There's a challenge also. When we're Mm -hmm. called to do something mighty, and God is always calling us to do something mighty, there is a... It's going to push us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge to us. So I can't play the victim and be small because it's literally not a godly life. And every angelic visit starts with fear not. So maybe <laughs> be, be not change and transformation, you just need to keep in mind that it's going to involve some some fear and risk-taking. Exactly, because yeah. we're going to be asked by our transformational God to step out of our little comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can learn more about Glenn at his website, Dr. Glenn Pickering.com, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. He's got a lovely offer. If you would like to arrange for a 20-minute phone conversation for uh, with him, no strings attached, it's a lovely offer for you, and you can do that by going to his website and filling out a form, and you won't be bugged, nothing. It's just really a good deal. <laughs> He's just being very generous with his time, and I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion on the, the four mistakes we all make when our relationships are struggling. If you have a question or comment, I will ask Glenn on your behalf, 877-933-2484. I'm just so glad that you're listening today and, and you're you're with me on this because this is a big topic. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Dr. Glenn Pickering. Our topic today is the four mistakes we all make when our relationships are struggling. And the mistakes came in pairs. Pair one was blaming them, shaming you. Is that right, Glenn? Yep. Shaming you. Shaming ourselves, right? Yep. So you're, you're beating yourself up. Right. I've always messed this up. I'll never get it right. Right. So you're saying that. That's a mistake you know, having friends that come along and and say, oh, I never liked that. I never liked him. I never liked her. That's not helpful. Right. And then the other uh, pair of mistakes would be moving on immediately. And sometimes, Glenn, we have to learn to be comfortable with other people's discomfort. Right. In uh, fact, that's what compassion is. Like I was saying earlier in the show, co- co- compassion means co-passion. Like I'm willing to go through the struggle with you. I don't take the pain away from you. I walk with you in that pain which is why people try and avoid it, because that means I have to feel sad for you. I have to feel hurt for you. Mm-hmm. I have to be upset with you. Yeah. And those are not always pleasant feelings. And that requires vulnerability. Yes. You know, if I'm having a great day and I come along and you're in trouble, I got to start figuring out a way to be your friend. Right, to meet me where I am. To meet you where you're at. And not always which, easy. Yeah, you're right. It's going to require a certain level of vulnerability, a certain willingness to be in that pain with me, mm-hmm. and um, which is why people would rather blame somebody else or blame you, because then they don't have to actually be in that struggle with you. Yeah. You don't want to be a victim. You want to have a life that Jesus talks about living abundantly, and we have this life in Christ. We have freedom in Christ, so we're not going to play the victim. That's right. something that Glenn's talking about today that's important. And then you start the process, you're going to be able to, to choose a loving Christ-like starting point. How right. great is that? Right. Um, may not work out great, but it's great that you are being the initiator. Right. Right. Because otherwise I'm saying I'm let, I put in the power over my life in some other human being's hands, and why would I want to do that? All right. Here's a big question coming your way, Glenn. Okay, great. What if they don't 
change. And what? <laughs> Sometimes when I'm talking to clients about, you know, seeing their half and going home and talking to their spouse, friend, kid about this situation and having that kind of loving conversation about there's a struggle we're having. I would like to change it. Are you with me on that? Here's what I think I need to change. So we're going to start there no matter what. And people often do say, well, what if they don't change? And and they expect me to say something comforting, I think, but what I mostly say is they might not. That's not very comforting. I know. That's why I lose so many of my clients. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. No, it's important to understand. It's irrelevant. Not, which I don't mean flippantly. So, of course, I wouldn't actually say that to a client. But we need to understand. If God puts something on my heart, then these would be different in my life. That there's a thing I'm doing in my relationships that's not helpful, and I need to do that differently if I'm going to be transformed to keep moving along in that sanctification path that he has laid out for me. Then I need to make those changes in my life, whether the other person does or not. Mm-hmm. So I always say to people, the part that is comforting, because I say, yeah, they may not. They probably will. Because if somebody comes to me and says, hey, Glenn, you matter to me a lot. We've got this struggle going on. I really want it to be better. Do you want it to be better? Well, yeah. And here's what I'm doing that I think I need to do differently. Well, I'm so likely to say, well, oh, yeah, well thank you. Here's what I can say I need to do differently. And we're probably going to have a loving conversation. But it's also possible that they're not going to be open to that change, that they don't want that, that they find that scary, or maybe they're already with somebody else. So who knows what, what reason they might, not, they might have to not be willing to be in that process. It's really important for my clients to understand this. If they're willing to do that transformational work where they start doing their relationship differently, one of two good things will happen. This relationship will get better, which, of course, is always my hope for them. Mm-hmm. But if the other person says, the heck with this, I'm leaving no matter what, then they will now have the strength and the skills and the ability to create a better relationship with the next person they're with instead of the same old relationship they just got out of because now they're equipped to do that thing differently. So God is going to help you one way or another. And you don't have to then to stay stuck in this relationship that you both know doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can actually have a better one. Now, always, of course, my hope is they can have a better one with the kid, friend, coworker, spouse that they have right now. Right. But, um, but even if that person just insisted, they're just not willing to work on it for whatever worldly reason they might have. Mm-hmm. It's still important that I do the work that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Here's how come. Because God always wants me to be transformed, so of course that's important. But for this reason also... When Jesus said we're supposed to love God with our whole heart and love our neighbor as ourselves, here's what I really have come to understand. Whatever relationship mistakes I make, I make in all of my relationships. Is that across the board? Yeah. So let's say, for example, when you're critical to me, I get all defensive. Okay. Well, let's say I'm uh, I'm at work now and a customer calls me up and they're upset. Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get all defensive. Instead of focusing on the solution and helping them feel cared for and doing that sort of customer service in a way that makes my customers feel like, oh, that was so great. I'm going to be argumentative, defensive, blame them for the problem. They're going to walk away thinking, boy, I never want to get a product from you guys again. Mm. It's a spirit that travels. Yes. Mm. And see, it even shows up in our relationship with God. I just see this more and more as I work on, with people in their spiritual life. That if somebody says to me, well, Glenn, I was hurt a lot in my early life, so I have a trouble trusting people. I believe them. I also know that same trust problem is going to show up in their faith walk. Of course. That when God says they need to trust me, you need to put your life in my hands, they're going to be like, whoa. That, you know what I mean? So when God says, Glenn, there's some relationship things I need you to get better at. 
He wants it for me to be better in the relationship I'm in right now. But he also wants it to be better in all my relationships, including my relationship with him. So I just need to understand, I'm always being asked to keep growing because our God has got a transformation and he wants good for me. He wants good for me in all of my relationships, including my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about being stuck in the same rut versus right. learning and transforming, the question came in, is there hope for someone who seems like a procrastinator who just won't or can't change? Yes. Um, oftentimes, well, I get that's a fearful response. So first of all, I have, I have compassion. When people are procrastinate, it's not because they're bad people. It's not they're unmotivated. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. Which I totally get that. Um, and if I'm in a relationship with a procrastinator and I keep waiting for them to change, then that's not going to happen. So if a husband comes in, for example, or a friend or a dad and comes in and says to me, you know, my spouse, my friend, my kid, they're not, they're procrastinators. They keep saying we should work on a relationship, but they never do it. I say, well, I'll tell you what, how about if you come to counseling and you start changing? So in other words, instead of waiting for the person who's afraid to decide to come in and start changing, you just start changing. And then one of two good things are going to happen. You're going to change, which is great. And very likely, now that they see that staying passive is not an option to them, they might decide they want to join you on that journey. Because here's the thing. People often say, well, you know, alcoholics didn't change until they hit rock bottom. Which, you know, there's truth to that. But I think, yeah, but it's true for all the rest of us. As long as we think, well, that part of my life's going okay, even if it's not great, but it's okay. We don't think we have to change it because it's okay. Until we can really see, no, that really isn't working anymore. Then we think, okay, well, I got to change that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm with a passive person who's afraid of change, then I would tell that person, come to counseling anyway, just get started in the process. They will be not wanting to be left behind. They don't mm-hmm. want to be losing you. They don't want to get left out. They're just afraid. So, but they're more afraid of losing you. So, that's, that's interesting, Glenn. The, they don't want to be left behind. Right. People have a sense of, of, I see the improvements you're making. I see the changes that's going on in your life. And I'm feeling drawn to that. Right. I don't want right. you doing that without me, right? And suddenly they're more willing to come and go see Dr. Glenn Pickering. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what I say to somebody who has a procrastinator in their life, I say, just get started. Mm. That's a that's an interesting point and a good one. All right, Glenn, what do we walk out of here t- today in the brown paper bag? What's our takeaway? Takeaway is this. No matter what your struggle is in any relationship with me, with your spouse, with your friend, with your colleague, or with God, you just need to ask yourself, what's the most helpful question is, what am I doing that's getting in the way of that relationship? And if you can see that, you know, sometimes prayer is helpful, discernment. Sometimes we can't see ourselves very clearly, and we need to talk to a friend who's actually, you know, a real friend who's not just going to complain about somebody else. But if I come and say, hey, what do you see me doing in relationships that gets in the way? And they can tell I'm serious, then they're pretty likely to tell me because people, often other people can see our strengths and our weaknesses more clearly than we can. Because we kind of take them for granted. We think that's normal. Mm-hmm. And we all, have, we all have blind spots, don't we? We just do. And so if you have a trusted friend in your life who you're willing to ask that question to, that can be super helpful to you. And, and that takes a lot of courage as well. Yeah, it does. Because you might hear you. something you don't, you're not going to like. Yeah, or at least very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But again, it's part of not being stuck. It's part of not being a victim. And isn't that part of how God knits us together in community? Isn't that part right. of the reason brothers so and sisters true. in Christ get together and have right. those kinds of conversations? Exactly. And I just think the whole thing about iron sharpening iron, I think, right. See, if we're willing to go through that process together with each other, we'll all come out stronger, all of us. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Glenn, thank you so much once again for 
Doing the show, Glenn Pickering has been my guest. The four mistakes we all make when our relationships are struggling have been a really informative hour. Thank you. Oh, you are way yeah. welcome. I and love being here. You can learn more about Glenn at his website, drglennpickering.com. He has a lovely offer. If you want to get 20 minutes of conversation with him, you fill out a form and there's no strings attached and it's all for free. It's just you know, him wanting to bless and honor you, whatever position or situation you're in right now. Thank you so much for uh, spending time with me today. Mm-hmm. I have loved spending time with you. I hope you know that uh, I care about you, I love you, and I hope that you have a good night. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.